If you listen to the women who choose life, they're victors. And if you talk to the women or listen to the women who had an abortion, they say that it was like another trauma, like they were raped again. They were surgically raped. Ever since the overturn of Roe v. Wade, you know, one of the tactics that we see right now is that the culture of death, that pro-death side, they've been trying to scare people to vote in favor of abortion. And, and, and here's what they say. They say, well, if you, if you get pregnant, what are you going to do if, if, if it was your daughter that got raped, right? Well, what would you do? Would you want her to carry that baby? What happens if, if you get raped and you become pregnant as a result? Would you want to carry that child the rest of your life? And, of course, you know, you see a lot of people who are totally anti-abortion. When it comes to rape and incest, those are things that they're like, well, in those cases, it really breaks the logic, right, of the dignity of the human person and when life begins and who has a right to take a life and who does. I mean, there's a whole lot that goes. But, but you know, those are issues that pull on the heartstrings. My gosh, rape and incest? That's an argument we're hearing a lot more now because it puts fear into people, especially women who have... You know, what happens if I do get raped? I need to have the right to have this abortion. So the psychology behind it's easy to see. Women suffer great shame when they're raped. Uh, and, and rape is really, it's a, it's a, it's a crime of violence. The, the so-called solution is to wound the woman more, right? To have an abortion. That's a solution. You don't have to suffer anymore. Abort your child. Get rid of the baby. It's easy. It'll ease your psychological suffering. And that's not true. It'll compound it is what it does. What they don't tell you is how much you're going to suffer, not just for the rape. My heart goes out to any woman who's gone through this. I can't tell you how my heart goes out to you. I certainly don't want you to be haunted, not just by that, but by the guilt of knowing that you terminated a child. The truth is that you don't have to bear the shame if you allow that child to be born. Put the child up for adoption, right? Give it to somebody who desperately wants a child or allow that child to be part of, of your life. The child's innocent, right? We know that from many women who've been raped and impregnated, allowing the child to be born has changed her life. And Mary Higgins is one of those women. She was actually date raped back in 1980 and decided that she'd give her child up for adoption. That daughter right now, 44 years of age and has brought two beautiful grandchildren into Mary's life. And Mary's here to share part of her story. Mary, thank you for your witness, and thank you for being here. Oh, it's my honor. Thank you, Drew. So, you know, you hear these stories, and I'm hearing so much more of it from the mainstream media, and this is a huge political issue, too, of course, abortion. There's a certain fear out there, and I'm not a woman, I'm a man. I look at this from a slightly different perspective, but the thought of being raped and then having to carry that child, you know, that's something that just resonates with a lot of people who even are pro-life. They think, oh, in that case, or in the case of incepts, those are the exceptions. Why are they not valid exceptions? And maybe share a little bit of your story. Okay. So um, when I was 18, I was a freshman in college, and I was state-raped. And became pregnant, and I, I, um, I placed my daughter for adoption, and then 17 years later, we were reunited, and she was five miles, not even five miles from me, and I have two grandchildren today. So, while it was very difficult and there was a lot of suffering, um, in the end, 
you know, God makes straight crooked paths. I mean, there was so much good and so many, so many good fruits that came from it. You know, not, not only grandchildren, but future generations too. I don't think people think about that. What was your formation like? I mean, you, you're raped. Did you consider ever having an abortion? What was that moment like? I never did. I think it was always burned in, in my conscience that every gift is a life and every life has dignity. And I knew the truth that life began at conception. My parents were, I remember the day, January 22nd, 1973, I was 13 years old. I remember coming home from school and the news announcing that abortion was made legal. And my parents were devastated and shocked that abortion could be legal in our culture. And so we talked about it. And I also had a friend in high school who got pregnant and my mother sat me down and said, you know, she is doing the right thing, support her, you know, it's going to be hard for her. And so I was already formed. I never once considered abortion. I went to a counselor at the college I was at and she sort of, uh, told me that cause I had already made the decision to have the baby and place her for adoption. And she, and you know, I said it was hard and she said, well, there's other, there's other options, yeah. you know? And then when I confronted the father of the child, um, he said, take care of it. Yeah. And I said, it? And he said, yeah, I will pay for it. You're not going to, you're not going to have it. And I said, um, yeah, I'm going to have a child. I'm wow. not having an it. Wow. I will not take the life of any child. So the coercion was there. As soon as I told my family, as soon as I told my mom and my parents, yeah. I had a plan. Mary, what was it like giving the child up after carrying it nine months? It was horrible. I mean, it was horrible to leave the hospital with, without a baby. But I mean, I also was 18 years old at yeah, the time. Yeah. And I knew that I was not equipped. I believed strongly that, as I still do, that a child needs a mother and a father. Yeah. And so it was, I mean, it was sacrificial love. It was very hard. You know, the culture wasn't always easy. I remember I was in labor for more than 24 hours and the doctor who was delivering the baby said, you won't make this mistake again, will you? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm like, I, I, I've seen you for six months and I guess you don't know the story. Um, so it was hard. And then there was a social worker at the hospital who said to me, Um, she pulled me to the side and she said, you know, blood is thicker than water. You know, you should not place your child for adoption. And I don't know where it came from, but I said, and love is thicker than blood. I love that. I don't know where it came from. I mean, it it was not me. It was the Holy Spirit. My oldest son and daughter-in-law, they just recently adopted and my wife and I, I mean, we love that child so deeply, so passionately. Family is not about DNA. It's not about genetics. It's about love. That's really what it's, what it's about. That's the bond that holds somebody together, right? You might have to share the same bloodline, but look how fractured so many families are. I think what you said there was so beautiful. And what you did 
was heroic sacrifice. You sacrificed for love of that child because you wanted to have a better life. How did the child come back into your life? Well, that's interesting, too, because, um, you know, when you watch, like, what the media, how the media always tries to portray adoption yeah. as a negative, the truth is 99% of adoptions are successful. And so when, like, at each birthday that she had, I actually celebrated. I mean, I was like, well, you know, somebody's having a fourth birthday today. Somebody's having a fifth birthday today. I wasn't pining away. Now, I was always open to reuniting. And so what happened when she was a senior in high school, a friend of mine called me and said, you know, I know where your child was placed. And so I had a third party contact her mother and say that in the event, if she was ever looking, I was open to it, but I was not in any way going to intrude on her life. And she said, well, they posted because I promised her her whole life that when she turns 18, we will find you. And then, so then her mother called me and then she graduated from high school. So she was 17 and she said, you're still going to help me when I'm 18. Right. And she said, well, she called. And so then we met. And in fact, we were talking about this just Saturday night because my, so Sarah, her daughter, Millie just turned six. And so we were at the birthday so party beautiful. and we were re we were revisiting all this. You know, and it goes back, Mary, to what we we're talking about. God brings good out of every situation. Romans 8, 28, right? And, and right. we may not see it, you know, right now, you know, in 40 years ago when that happened to you, you probably did not see how any good could ever come from it. And now you're celebrating your grandchild's birthday. I mean, that's how God can work. And I just want to say to any woman who happened to be listening to my voice right now, if you are pregnant and you're thinking about terminating your child, do not do it. It is a gift from God. Life is a gift. It's a treasure. Not everyone can have it. And God will bring good out of your situation. Trust me, it'll be the greatest decision of your life. You know, the Speaker of the House, Mike Johnson, he speaks very eloquently about the fact that his young teenage parents chose life. And I, and I often think, well, what would their life be like? And certainly he wouldn't be in existence right now. And the impact he's making, you know, on Capitol Hill and in other lives, promoting life, it's so important Whatever happened to the husband? He didn't want to have the child, was going to pay for the abortion. Is he now in the life of the child? Has he changed? Are you in communication with him? What happened there? No, no communication. She's never had any desire to find him. Nothing. No. There's, Nothing. Okay. Well, yeah. But I want to dispel some of these myths about that having an abortion helps a rape victim. Because if you listen to the women who choose life, they're victors. I mean, you're, there's a yep. victory mm-hmm. after that, you know, and if you talk to the women or listen to the woman who had an abortion, they say that it was like another trauma, like they were raped again. They were surgically raped. So I think that's, that's one of those fears, like, oh, how could you subject a woman to that? Well, and the other thing is, where else in our culture do we punish children for the sins of their right. father? Like, I grew up in Chicago. I mean, I grew up, I had friends whose parents, grandparents were well-known mafia people. You know, they were in organized crime. Never do we punish their children for that. I mean, we don't line their children up and shoot them because their parents were criminals. But in abortion, for some reason, it's okay. It's really the work of the devil. 
And the other myth or fear, I think, that gets put into the hearts and minds of somebody who's in the situation of a crisis pregnancy is that their education will be ruined. And while my education was delayed because I had to take time off to, to have her, I went back and finished and graduated with honors and then went on to get my master's degree. And wow. so school might have to get put on hold for a semester or, yeah. you know, a time, but it's just another lie that your education is going to be so ruined. True. So true. What would you say to a woman right now who's considering having her child aborted? Maybe she has been the victim of some sort of trauma. What would you respond to those? What would you say to her? What would you respond to those who maybe even are encouraging her to do it? I would say that it would be the worst decision of her life and that the best decision would be to choose life. Yeah. And, and I would try to help her in any way, you know? Well, I'm grateful for, for your, your message and for your, for your witness, for your courage uh, as well. Is there anything you want to promote or recommend? Is there a resource out there for women or are you involved in something you think that we should uh, be aware of? Well, I'm involved in, in the pro-life movement in many ways, but um, um, I would say support relevant radio. And if I can give a little plug to your please, drive, please. Uh, now is a good time to donate stock because it's appreciated a lot and no one That's has true. to pay taxes on donated stock. So um, I would say to the woman too, Drew, I would say that this child is unrepeatable, irreplaceable. Yeah. And, and while you may not be ready to have that child, there will be no other child that's this child. You know, this is unique DNA. Well, Mary, God bless you. Thanks so much for spending time with me today. I am really grateful, and I'm grateful also for your, your tip to help support Relevant, because we certainly, we could certainly use it. We'll catch up again soon, okay? Thanks for being that witness. That's Mary sure. Higgins. She uh, is a perfect example of how God, even in the darkest of situations where you can see no way out, can bring about great conversion. I've often shared the stories of great conversions and concentration camps and how God's divine mercy has prevailed. We see it here in the abortion scenarios of, of our own day. And maybe you're going through a tough time right now where somebody's deeply wounded you. God calls us to love, He calls us to forgive, um, and He will bring good out of your situation. Trust me. Hey, like what you just heard? Then share it with your family and friends. And thanks for listening.